Welcome to episode 12 of Head of a Codfish, a podcast about modern working families. This is a podcast telling the stories of working families and how they tackle the dual responsibilities of career and family. I'm your podcast host and producer, Haley. Before I introduce my episode today, I want to share something with you that happened this week that has totally blown me away. After listening to one of my episodes, a lovely listener reached out to me and offered her support and an understanding ear to the person that I'd interviewed. The listener heard this person's story, and as they had some experience in common, they thought the interviewee might benefit from being in contact with someone who had been there and done that and understood the specific situation. I'm so happy that this podcast that I have built from the ground up is slowly but surely developing into a community and a community that is willing to lend themselves to help out other members. I'm feeling pretty proud right now. I want to say thanks so much to you for being here, listening, coming back, and becoming a part of my corner of the podcast world. So on to Irene. I think I first met Irene when we were both pregnant with our now eight-year-olds. While we were in pretty similar boats then, life has thrown us very different things since. Irene is currently studying and working out how to balance that with parenting her son and also being a carer for her elderly mother. She is living with the ever-present heaviness of grief after the loss of her husband two years ago. That is a very big load for anyone to carry, so you can see why I wanted to hear her perspective on parenting around all the other parts of life. I suspected when I interviewed Irene it would be pretty long. She's the kind of person that when we go out for dinner, we start chatting, and the next thing we know, they're stacking the chairs around us. So this episode may get you through a couple workday commutes, a few sessions at the gym, or some pretty serious spring cleaning. So here goes my interview with Irene. Okay, so let's start with a very big question for any parent. On a scale of newborn to teenager, how much sleep are you getting? Mm, I'm getting heaps of sleep. Heaps of sleep, yeah. Yep. yeah. No problems at all. With no you. problems at all. So, yes, you are obviously don't have your child's beyond kind yes. of waking you up. Oh, yes. I mean, there, there's the occasion where bad occasional bad dream or when he's not feeling well or coughing or sneezing yeah. or through the night. Yeah. But nine times out of ten, I sleep wearily well. So a lot of people, when they come to answer this question, kind of say, yeah, the kids are fine, but it's me who's causing the lack of sleep, as in, you know, trying to do extra work, do study or something. Sure. There was a time where I needed some help with sleep. Yep. Um, but these days, uh, taking a lot of different supplements that help with things like that. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't feel that that's really a big issue anymore. Yeah, sure. Maybe if I've got a big event the next day, then sometimes I might need yep. a bit of help. But You're doing well on the sleep front. Probably better than most, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. I've kind of, as I've talked about in the podcast a bit before, I'm, I'm a fair bit of a night owl. And I do tend to be much more productive later in the evening. And that kind of works for when kids go to bed and you kind of hit your hit your stride with productivity. But as I'm getting older, I can't do that as much. And it's just I'm really in the last couple of weeks kind of trying to be much more conscious about how much sleep I am getting because it's just not serving me well. That just trying to do too much, trying to do the bulk of – the things that I'm trying to do 
after the kids have gone to bed. There's just too much. Mm. Yeah, I guess I'm probably on the opposite in that I'm trying to get everything done so that I can sit down and relax. So regardless of whether my son's up or not, jobs have got to get done. And if I'm feeling particularly tired, then he just needs to chip in and help. And um, whether it's, you know, help load the dishwasher or um, whatever needs to be done, tidy things up, you know, cleaners coming tomorrow, so clean up, you know, whatever needs to be done because I get to a point in the day where I just need to collapse and that's generally the evenings. Yep. Um, I'm probably more in uh, productive in the mornings, I guess. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Your natural rhythm is just mm. is like that. It's interesting my husband's like that as well then it's just it can be tricky mm. to work around totally opposite mm. rhythms because mm-hmm. sometimes you want to you know pitch in and do something together and i'm mm. like oh i'll do it later because i know i'll be better mm. I'll, I'll i'll really get into it then and he's like no no do it now you're being lazy if you're just mm. if you're not doing it now uh, yeah <laughs> it's interesting having totally opposites mm-hmm. Um, in the same house trying to work together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's a starting point. Can you tell me about the members of your family uh-huh. um, and how you are occupied with work, study? Uh-huh. So there's just myself. Um, my husband passed away two years ago, so it's myself, um, my eight-year-old son, mm-hmm. and um, last year my mum moved in with us, mm-hmm. so she's 90. Um, so I guess I take a bit of a carer role with her. Mind you, she's fiercely, fiercely independent, which is great in some aspects, but not great in others because she doesn't know her limitations. So in some respects, she's almost requires more looking after than what my eight-year-old So like a lot of management as opposed to... You're saying she's independent. She can do quite a lot of stuff for herself, but it's the managing. It's the managing because she doesn't know her limitations, so she'll... Um, like the other day, I caught her in the veggie patch. So she's actually climbed up into the veggie patch mm, mm. and is stomping around in the mud and dirt planting seeds because she decided that that was a good thing to do. And then I said, how are you going to get out of there? I had yeah. to actually catch her in there like, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, I'm just planting seeds. I'm like, well, how are you going to get out of there? She said, I don't know. I hadn't thought that through. <laughs> I like, lucky I was home and lucky I saw you and caught you. And the other day... She was outside with the dog and she had fallen over. And I was in my office studying. She, I, was, I was home and she was out there with the dog. She'd fallen over. She's got one of those pendants that you wear around your neck so in an emergency you push the button. Mm-hmm. She didn't call out. She didn't push the button. She was conscious. Um, she just tripped over the dog and then couldn't get up. So she sort of dragged herself around and got herself up and then eventually came, and then came inside and I yep. heard her come in. Sue didn't tell me and it wasn't until later that evening that she, that she said what had that happened. That we were just talking and she said, oh, oh yeah, because you know, my leg's sore because I fell over. I said, you what? Yeah. And by that time it was Getting a little bit Getting that fiercely late. independent. Yeah, yeah. It was sort of late to do the first aid, the putting the cool pack on and all yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's just what she's like. So imagine if I'm not home and something like that happens. So. Yeah. So have you ever heard of the term, and it's only something I've come across recently, of the sandwich generation? No. So what this is is women who are finding that they are looking after young children and also caring for elderly parents. And I guess maybe, I'm not entirely sure, but I assume it's coming more of a thing because of the age that women are having children. It means they're falling into those two camps at the same time when maybe 
when we were having children younger, we weren't having elderly parents at the same time. The gaps were a bit smaller Mm -hmm. and the kids were a bit older by by the time the parents needing to be cared for. So you're kind of the sandwich generation now, aren't you? You, You've kind of got those demands from a child and also from your mother. And being in the home, it's quite a high demand. Definitely. And and I think I'm probably a bit unique too in that um, my mum had me at an older age. She was 39 when she had me. Okay, yeah. And I was 43 when I had my son. So, yeah. um, you know, sort of I'm sort of in my early or just starting my 50s and, yeah, having a 90-year-old mum and an 8-year-old child is kind of extreme. Yeah. All these extreme generation opposites. So it's it's interesting, you know, there's a term for that. Okay. <laughs> and I guess it's uh, a demographic that's expanding. There's more people kind of, more women identifying with with that challenge. Um, and I guess what I'm finding um, more and more is that when we're talking about, say, flexibility in workplaces and stuff, we think about it in terms of, um, looking after children, but increasingly it is about looking after elderly parents. And I guess what we're saying is both looking at flexible work yeah. arrangements for doing both of those things at the same time, which is an, an incredible load. Definitely, but for me it was both aspects in mind because she was living not far away from me, so she was only five minutes up the road Yeah, living in an independent but in a sort of not nursing home, but, but in an elderly Yeah, thing. a facility so that facility where she there was, was support services. There was support and, yeah. they were doing her washing and providing meals and things like that. But she wasn't happy there. She'd been there for, for quite a few years and because of my situation changing and, and me being home by myself, it made my life difficult in that because I've got uni lectures to go to, sometimes my lectures are early in the morning and I've got 8 o'clock lectures mm-hmm. and I it's difficult for me to get my son to school. So um, I'd arrange for someone to come and pick him up on those days and take him to school, which is great. But then what do I do for that hour that I leave home for uni at quarter past seven yep. and he's waiting till quarter past eight. For, for someone, someone to come and get him. Come yeah. and get him. So having mum home means that there's always somebody home. And yep. I guess when you're in a situation where there's two parents, you know, you generally work that out, you know, yep. between you. But That's in right. my situation, I don't have anyone to work that you out. You don't with. have that, so, yeah. Um, and the same for, you know, as an adult, like sometimes I need adult conversation or I need to go out or do things or go to a conference or just meet up with friends and, and to have somebody who's always home and like yep. basically a living babysitter, if mm, you like, mm. um, that gives me the freedom to have to be able to go yeah, out and do things. Yeah, where otherwise and not be have quite to worry about, oh, who am I going to get to babysit this time and how much is that going to cost? So. so I've never asked this before, but obviously with different cultures, the um, rate of parents, as in grandparents, living in the, the family unit is is higher. Is that something from your heritage? The not necessarily? Not that I'm aware of. No. no. The German culture, not so much. Although they, um, in Germany they live a lot in these houses where they're like apartments within houses. So okay. Not necessarily big high rise. It might only be four, three or four storeys, but each apartment is quite unique, so quite different. So one apartment might be three storeys and another one might be just one level okay. with two or three yeah. bedrooms. Yeah. So because of those sort of arrangements, my auntie um, was living in the same sort of building as, um, say, my cousin. So mm-hmm. they would check in on her pretty much every day, get some sh- take her to the shops. So this or... is a, an elderly... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my auntie, like my mother's sister. Oh, okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Same sort of age as my mum. There's yeah. only a year or two between them. So... 
um, that's how they managed mm-hmm. it. But as far as I know, it's not necessarily not necessarily yeah, a, um, a German thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we might just go back a bit because we've talked a bit about your study. Mm-hmm. But um, so your uh, obviously your child is at school, primary mm-hmm. school. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're studying. What kind of load do you have with mm-hmm. with that? So, <laughs> I've got to balance my load because um, I'm currently. Um, or I was getting um, some payments from Centrelink, which was related to uh, like a parenting, single parenting payment. Mm-hmm. So I needed to do a certain amount of load to qualify for that. For that. But then if I took on too much, and also the, the university requires a certain amount of load that you have to right. do as well. Yep. But then if I took on too much, I found that I would get too stressed and I would get too exhausted and then there wasn't enough in the tank to spend time with my son or mm-hmm. to keep the house going, to pay bills and do everything at the garden and everything else that I needed doing. So I would get quite overwhelmed quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a couple of semesters where I had to do extra load just purely because that's just the Sometimes the worked. logistics of when subjects are offered. Exactly. And, yeah. and, and you know, co-requisites and prerequisites. Yeah, yeah, all subjects. that. So... I have done 15, what what would they consider a 15-hour load, which is 15 hours on campus, which is then generally reflected back with another 15 15, hours at home, home. extra study on top of that, Um, and that includes assignments and study for exam and things like that. So that that was tough, and I've done that a couple of times, but generally my load is more 12, Mm -hmm. so that is considered the part-time load. So it's a 12 hours on campus and then 12 at home. Um, for me, I guess being older and never doing university before, I kind of feel like I have to do an extra two or three hours of study to right. every one hour okay. of a young person. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I don't know if that's related to, you know, a health situation or just my age or just because I'm not a book smart type of person. Yeah. It's not just a situation you've had a lot of experience with. So you yeah. kind of feel like you're catching up. Yeah, bit. I yeah. do. And because and, and and some of the people it. you're studying with are relatively young, yeah. like a kind of out of school oh, or yeah. age. So <laughs> yeah. I've got friends that are 20 year olds and friends that are 55 year olds, yeah. which is quite yeah. fun. But um, it's great because you don't. I don't feel like I'm discriminated against, or I don't feel odd or out of place because I'm older than all of the young ones. And mm. I've had you know young people come up to me and I've told my story and they've come up and hugged me and we've become good friends. It's, it's just really weird, and I've not had that anywhere else in any other environment, yeah, work yeah. or otherwise. Such so. a such a caring environment. Yeah. Okay. So um, you talked a bit about yeah days that um, you know you have to leave the house early, but how in general? Do the studying hours and the school hours work? Like, obviously, I assume your your study day, your study, doesn't necessarily go nine to three. <laughs> uh, I try to make it as nine to three as, as I can. you can. Um, apart from the days where I've got the early lectures or the late lectures, um, pretty much I study every minute that my son's at school. Mm-hmm. And as soon as it's three o'clock or quarter past like I will study right to the very last minute. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just finished this chapter, I just finished writing this, you know. And sometimes I am a bit late, but I try to um yeah, squeeze as much out of that day. Even when it comes time for lunch and things like that, I'll, you know, heat up my lunch and then take it back to my office yep. and listen listen to you know, or read a, a paper or a scientific paper or whatever I need to do. Um, there's, I, I really don't take much of a break during the day. Yep. And then, because when I pick him up, it's more spending time with him then, or I have to take him to swimming or I have to take him yeah. to basketball yep. or whatever. So um, I don't tend to study on the weekends um, unless I have an assignment due that I haven't 
got finished yet mm-hmm. or if I've got an exam on the Monday morning, which I've had that um, occasionally. Um, but then, yeah, my weekends are kind of free, so I try to balance it, balance things as much as I can. Yep. Um, yeah. So you can drop him off at school most days, mm-hmm. but then you have someone picking uh, pick him up from home and taking him. Sometimes, yeah. And what about the end of the day? Generally, able to pick him up, or is there some? Generally, um, I'm either rushing from town. If my lecture finishes at two thirty, then I've got to get from town up to Blackwood. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, or I might leave a lecture a little bit early um, if I need to. Yeah. Um, or I might ring school and say I'm caught in traffic. Just tell him to go to the office. Or something, yeah, you know, sure. Kind of yeah. The school's really good. They know my situation. They're yeah, yeah. They well. know that you, yeah, don't don't have a backup. Yeah, and that you're against the clock to, to yeah. leave or to get there from, from study. Mm-hmm. Sure. So what do you think are your parenting superpowers? Mm. I would say that I actually listen to Like yeah. I, when my son speaks, I actually stop when I'm doing listening or I try very hard to listen if I'm busy. Sometimes I'm cooking or doing something yeah. and multitasking. Try and always listen to what he has to say because um, I – feel a lot of kids are often not heard. Yep. And sometimes a lot of their behaviours are related just to them wanting to be heard. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's my biggest Yeah, yeah. Thing. I agree with with just the, yeah, the idea that often um, tricky behaviours are a result of either being heard or having an ability to have a say in mm-hmm. how their world goes. And that's why it's something I struggle with a bit with having three children is that your ability to feel make them feel like they have a a role in deciding how their world goes is yeah. a bit more limited. You have to work in with your sisters. Yeah. You can't just demand that everyone leaves the house at this time to get to this thing. You know, it just doesn't doesn't happen and um yeah, I do kind of see see how that works and see the yeah and I think like I sometimes feel like I'm really lucky that I've only got the one child like a lot of people would see that as a disadvantage oh you've only got one child that he must get bored or uh, he must get really lonely or whatever but um in actual fact you know being an only child myself I actually always wanted to have an older sister or an older Mm -hmm. brother yeah so I always longed for that but I know for a fact that my son doesn't doesn't long for that yeah yeah he's um he has lots of times where he's on his own mm -hmm. or when i say on his own like i'm in the kitchen and he's 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 entertaining himself independently yeah and and he comes up with the most creative things Mm, when he does that and he doesn't need to be constantly supervised or constantly stimulated yeah you know from for a son who has you know he had two parents who were it people mm. um he doesn't have a computer <laughs> and yet i have so many computers around the house mm. but he doesn't have one that he could call his own yeah he doesn't even have an ipad he uses my ipad and he's got his apps on there but he's the kind of child that is quite happy to sit there and figure things out he's got books that he reads he's got sciencey things yep. that he does and um so i, I guess in a way that's almost a superpower as well to just leave him to yep. 
to yeah, do some things to do and um, stuff. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's creative for him. Yeah, that's that whole thing that um, it's it's one of those things where someone, some official, you know, learned person says, "Oh, it's good for this," and you, it's good for this to happen. And you're like, "Yeah, I just did that anyway." Like when people are coming out and saying now, "Oh, it's good for kids to be bored. It's yeah. good for them not to kind of have something given to them all the time because they're quite creative." And I'm like, "Yeah, I've always done that. It might have just been slackness, but anyway." <laughs> You know, um, I, I I do really believe in that kind of um, being a bit bored or not necessarily even bored but just not having something given to you mm. or always being scheduled to do something. Just that space mm. and a bit of boredom does bring out fantastic um, creativity mm. and bringing uh taking games in new directions and like like you saw in the lounge room where we've got the cardboard box mm. that's been in the lounge for a week and the things that that box has been this week yeah. <laughs> has been has been fantastic and um I guess it's uh because my children rage from like 8 to 2 the the cardboard box is quite a good one that they can all interact with quite well, mm-hmm. whereas, you, you know, um, other games with small pieces aren't okay for the small one or they're too simple for the big one. Cardboard box, great leveller. Yeah. The, the, they can all engage with the with the box or the game where we're pretending it's a rocket or we're pretending it's a whatever. They can re- all really kind of engage with that in quite a, a positive way. Yeah, and I think that's, again, another advantage of just having the one child is, you know, as he grew out of stuff, we would just take stuff out and put, bring new stuff in. So I don't ever have to worry about is he going to swallow something yes. or is there a, another child? Except for if someone comes over with younger children, then it's like, <laughs> quick, put everything away. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Really not, not, yeah, um, it's fine for fingers. an eight-year-old. Yeah. 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 And just... even when he was younger, he just knew if that wasn't for him to touch, he just wouldn't touch it. Yeah. And never have to worry about him sticking something in a in a PowerPoint socket or even though I had them covered, but he just wouldn't. It just wasn't it not just in wasn't his nature. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I've been very blessed in that way. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what would you have said your husband's superpower was, parenting superpower? Mm, patience. Yep. Big time patience. Yeah, that's, I can see that. That's I struggle with that still. <laughs> um, and I guess it's probably ex- exacerbated now because I've got so much more pressure on me to mm. be all for everybody. Yep. Um, that, yeah, I just sort of need things done quickly. Like, come on, hurry up. Go, 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 yeah. Go, 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 go. yeah. We've, We've got we- like 30 seconds to go. Let's get out of here. Yeah, know. you've got a um, lot of balls to kind of keep moving in the right direction and your ability to yeah. stop and smell the roses. On the way to school is, yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess it's another one of my superpowers. But, yeah, his was just to just chill and just relax and breathe and just have patience and mm. um, in, and very encouraging and um, very loving and loyal and also, yeah, like he would – my son's the kind of child that would fall over. And, yeah, I guess I guess now I'm, I'm more kind of like a little bit suck it up and – you know, we'll have a cry about it later. Yeah. Whereas, you know, he probably would have been a bit more um, patient and caring. Let's give this another go. Mm-hmm. Let's not give up yet. Yeah. Um, and I try to do that, but there are times where I just yeah, there's can't. there's a limit. Um, and yeah, I mean, I know. Say at times when I'm, you know, got the three girls by myself. Um, you know, getting them all ready for school by myself because the husband's away or whatever. You just 
you really don't have the time sometimes to mm. to be as patient as you know you should be. Mm. It's just you can't. Unfortunately, school starts at a time, appointments start at a time. You need to get out of the house. You do. Um, and you just, yes, as, yeah. as much as you would like to, to kind of be more patient when it's you. Yeah, and uh, you only—that's you're the only way that they're going. That you're going to get out the door at that time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'd probably lose the plot more than I should, you know, because I guess my son's very mature for his age, so I sometimes forget that he's only eight. Yeah. And so if we're planning on going somewhere, it's like, well, why haven't you got your drink bottle filled up and ready? Why haven't you got your shoes on yet? You should know this. And I probably get stuck into him a little bit more than probably I should. Yeah, not, he yeah he is emotionally he is very mature, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. I mean, and and it's easy for me to now go well, considering what his path has been the last few years, and it's really been probably quite a few years mm. from when your husband first got sick. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy to kind of say, oh well, you know, it's because of all that that he is this kind of amazing, like incredible kid. Um, but I think that's kind of always been part of him, hasn't it? Yeah, even it even before everything. Yeah, yeah. He was always um, mature for his age, even, yeah. even as a toddler. <laughs> He's just, he was just always different. Um, but probably more so now, it's more noticeable now because I guess he doesn't have the privilege of just um, sitting around and, you know, dinner is prepared or clothes are brought to him he has yep. to he yeah, has to he chip has in to do, and yeah. he comes with me shopping and he has to help with the shopping he has to help with everything around the house and you know some people would say oh you know poor child but I kind of think well it's kind of setting him up for life really and yeah yeah it's an interesting thing um growing up in a country area so a lot of the kids that I'd be at school with and my friends um it's a it's quite a big responsibility, I guess, when you have children, uh, kids that are in high school, and they're kind of already putting the steps in place to take over the farm. So that is like a massive responsibility. Um, and so I tended to notice a lot more kids that were in that situation who were taking, or starting to take steps towards these massive life decisions and responsibilities just conducted themselves in a different way mm. to um, to someone who was, you know, didn't know what their job was going to be after they finished school or didn't know what their study was going to be or, or whatever. And, I mean, I certainly, as, to view those people as rounded people, I certainly don't think the ones that had their own, those responsibilities were um, deficient or, like, I, I generally appreciated that. Yeah. That kind of um, that aspect to to their personality um, yeah. more, just that that responsibility. I thought made. Um, I mean, obviously, if it's you know too much pressure, it's going to have an issue. But in general, I found that to cre- to create a, a a better person. Yeah, I think so, and I don't feel like I'm robbing him of his childhood. Like he certainly um, has plenty of opportunities to play. Oh yeah, of you can certainly still like be that. a child and tidy up like yeah, you definitely. know help with tea yeah. um put your own washing in the washing machine it, yeah, yeah that doesn't sure. <laughs> stop but you the from the good thing is like with everything that we do um, in particular on weekends it's like you know, like he loves playing video games and i do too um so he'll say oh you know can we play and i would say yeah for sure but first we have to get this done get the rubbish out you know clean up this yard do this do this do this get the shopping done whatever and then yeah for sure we, we'll absolutely play so I would rarely say no, mm. 
but it would always be yes we can do that just have to get these things done first and it would always work out and i would purposely almost do that <laughs> i've still got an hour left oh got this gotta get this done first yeah, yeah because i didn't want to play video games till the end of the day because like i said like i like to relax at the end of the yeah, day yeah so come four o'clock that would kind of be my yeah okay we've got all this work done good job well done let's go play let's go hang out chill out and play some video games mm. and then we'd play for an hour or two um and we'd have great time so i use video games in that way as opposed to oh you're bored go play video games yeah yes i don't ever do that yeah he does play some games on the ipad it might be once a week he'll he'll play by himself the rest of the time we play games together and it's something it's a a bonding thing that we do that we enjoy doing together Mm -hmm. um so i love using technology in that way as opposed to yes go off and play yeah but yeah. get the jobs done first and, and that it's it seems to he never asks now he just knows okay, mm-hmm. what jobs need to get done you know when can we play what time is it you know and yep. so i think that's setting him up you know well for the future as well to- yeah so when we were talking about kind of different rhythms and when you when you kind of feel most productive i assume he's more the morning as well not necessarily because <laughs> I was just thinking it would be quite difficult if there is, you know, um, quite a bit of pressure on both of you to get the stuff done. If you're quite opposites, it could be quite yeah, he's difficult. Yeah, not as productive as I am in the in morning. In the morning, right, yeah. He just yeah. tend to drag himself out. And I've made a rule just recently that says if you get up after 7.30 on a school day, then you have to don't even consider looking at your Lego or no, anything else. No, no. You need to get into the kitchen and get the juices done, get the table set, and help me with help me with breakfast because we are going to be late otherwise. Mm, get your clothes mm. ready, whatever it may be. Um, so yeah, he he will often come out of the bedroom quite um, groggy and draggy and yeah, um, yeah. We'll flop on the lounge unless I jump in there first. <laughs> so yeah, and. Lately, he's not more reluctant to go to bed, which is kind of I want him to go to bed so that I can have my time. Yeah, yeah. But he's kind of like, oh no, we'll just watch this and just do this, and so yeah, yeah. And you don't want that to be too late because you don't want to then try and stack your time on top of that. And That's right. Get that. And then then I end up having into... a really late night because yeah. he's had a late night. So yeah, I want to be in bed by ten thirty, and it tends to be pushed out to eleven thirty, and then that affects my day the next day. Yes, and, yes. And then we're all cranky, <laughs> which is not good. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be interesting when when he gets older, isn't it? Because mm. that typical kind of teenager thing of sleeping till lunchtime. Obviously, when he's at school, he can't. But yes, that's kind of the way. Yeah, it's, it will be interesting when he starts having his own devices and his own phone and, and his own iPad and computer and things like that as to whether he's going to be as compliant when he's a teenager as he is now when I say lights out, time for bed, because mm. I know a lot of teenagers mm. stay up late and it's when they get quite um, resistant to... Um, yeah. Yeah, it's like he's such a, an amazingly well-behaved and compliant child now it almost scares me a little bit. And when he hits teenage years, it's all yeah, going to go it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because yeah. you kind of, I, you know, feel a bit the same about my children in that they protest, but generally, you know, they're quite good with, okay, we're not going to do that now. We're not playing with that toy or that, you know, activity now. And you kind of go, am I just being so, so much of something with them that when they get to a certain stage, they're just going to rebel because they mm. find this so oppressive? Mm. Or is it really just that 
you know, I give them a, a, enough opportunity to voice their concerns and they feel listened to, therefore they're kind of happier to to go along with what mum's saying because there's a good reason that mum's saying it. Um, and then, so it kind of, kind of just does make me go, well, you know, they're fairly good. Does that mean they're just going to go the other way at yeah, some point? And, and I think you're right in that it's important to, when you set down rules and, and things like that, that you give them a reason behind the rules and not just say, you know, go to bed at this time because I say so or stop playing that because I say so. There is a reason behind it. And and I've always been very, yeah, good on trying to explain everything so that so I know when kids get older or even at his age, they're always asking why. But why do I have to do that? But why mm. do I have to, why mm. do, you know. So I've always given them the reason before they ask why. Right, yeah. Um, in the hope that when that, older age comes along that he'll understand that if I say there's a reason behind it he might be more willing to accept that I yeah know. I mean it's, a, it's an argument that I often have with my eldest that's right we were having an argument with my eldest this morning because um my youngest and it's not my eldest fault but um my youngest likes to turn lamps on bedside lamps and she'll go into our room when we don't know she's doing it and turn on the lamp and walk off and we say no it's not acceptable you know there's stuff in there it could just fall near the lamp it could start a fire or whatever and so we were saying to the elder too um you know you can't turn the lamps on and if you notice that the youngest has done it you need to do something about it you need to turn them off and my eldest was kind of not really taking it seriously he's like oh yeah whatever blah blah blah. and so so then we did have the discussion of you know this is why we want we're being serious about this and this is why we need you to take it seriously give me a bit here if i've said it you kind of just need to take that on board without disregarding it until you hear the reason you know, sometimes you can explain, but sometimes you just need to knuckle down and and just listen and and take that on board without yeah. without kind of just going. <laughs> I think for me too, there's another element as well when you talk about teenage years is also peer pressure, and, mm. and I'm quite aware of peer pressure and quite nervous about it because my son's not one to be quite loud or dominant; he's mm-hmm. more passive and. I've always had this fear that he will be, uh, I guess, dominated by someone else, even an older child or another child who will try and persuade him to do something. Yeah. Perhaps he doesn't. I kind of pick him as someone who might not resist as much. Exactly. So that's another thing that I've tried to instill in him in that if something doesn't feel right, don't do it. Yeah. Go to a, a, a yep. an adult, a parent, myself. Yeah. And never tear shreds off him for making a mistake. Yep. Um, that he understands that mistakes are part of life and it's a learning thing and that if he makes a mistake, I won't tear shreds off him for it. And we have had situations where there has been older kids that have been over and have said to him things like, oh, let's go play video games. And my son said, oh, well, I need to check with my mum before I do that. Oh, don't tell her. She won't know. Come on, we'll just go out. And he's just like, He's actually stood up to this boy who's several years older than him, mm-hmm. he's probably five years older than him, and he's actually stood up to him and said, no, yeah. I, we're not going out there unless my mum says so. Yeah. And he said, I'll ask her, but I'm pretty sure she'll say no. And as much as this boy has tried to persuade him to do things, and he's done it quite a few times, tried to persuade him to do things. Yep. And I'm really, really proud that my son has said, no, that doesn't feel right. Yeah, and this is the time to kind of when those peer pressure requests are relatively harmless, 
it's kind of a good playground to test these mm. things out, isn't it? Definitely. So that's what I mean. I found certainly with the kids starting school and that kind of kindy reception stage is the stakes aren't that high, the battles aren't that big, even if they do listen to that peer pressure at that point. Playing some video games isn't really – there's not a lot of damage done. No. But it's a really good opportunity to kind of work through those things. Um, and I've found it with, you know, this group's doing this and I feel like they're excluding me and these girls are saying this and, and that kind of stuff. So it is a good opportunity to talk things through. We talk about what's making that girl say that. Maybe there's something that she feels uncomfortable and that's why she's saying this. Maybe – Kind of the flesh it all out mm-hmm. um, when when the stakes are low, in the hope that when they do hit the teenage years and mm-hmm. and things feel way more important, then then you've kind of gained some of those skills, mm-hmm. played around with that stuff, worked out your place and and how you relate to people, mm-hmm. and the the role you play. Let them sort it out now. Yeah. Give them some tools. Discuss that idea that look at the bigger picture. Look at the bigger picture. And I, I've done a similar thing um, as well in that. Um, yeah, explaining to him that when other children behave in a way that seems quite um, outrageous or inappropriate, just think about maybe what experiences that child has had. And a lot of times there's been situations where parent, uh, a child's come from a disadvantaged um, background or from a um, split um, parenting mm-hmm. situation yeah. where the child has sort of bounced between the two parents. And, you know, I've said to him, like, how difficult that must be um, yeah. for that child to always be, I mean, in this bedroom this day and yeah. that bedroom yeah. the next day. I mean, you can obviously navigate that situation in a way that's quite positive and you can navigate yeah. that situation in a way that's quite sure. negative. Um, so you just don't know. Yeah, that's right. You don't know how it is, yeah, how it is for them. and you don't know what that child's been through even in those few hours in getting to school. You yeah, know? that's right. So always give someone the benefit of the doubt and yeah, you know, give them a, a smile rather than a cringe and try and look at the bigger picture that, yeah, not everyone's life is perfect and sometimes they are the product of their... Sometimes they're, they're dealing with a lot before mm. they even get to the yeah. classroom and, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. So with the way that you are juggling um, your study mm. and school and parenting, um, what do you feel like works well? Mm. Having routines, having structure. Yep. Um, I think it works well for my son as well as for me. Um, I think, yeah, he kind of... Some personalities excel more with structure than others, and I think he's a structure kid, Definitely. isn't he? Yeah. yeah, he knows what's he knows what's coming. Yep. There's no no surprises. And sometimes when we do things out of the box, like last night we went to a musical performance in the city, it kind of throws things out of balance because you know Friday nights are normally a kickback, relax, yep. about a big week, yep. have a pizza, to relax, relax. And... and now all of a sudden it's like, okay, we're going to eat early, we're going to get changed, we're going to catch trams, we're going to do this and do that, we're going to have a really late night. And I found that as much as he enjoyed the, seeing the performance, it, yep. it did throw us out of whack. Yeah, like, oh, that we really mix just up our like routine. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even Saturday mornings, it's like, oh, we have to go to 
piano and then we've got to go to the shops and like can't we just relax but but he knows that that's part of our routine and that's what's yeah what that's what yeah he can get a lot of comfort from that yeah and certainly being really organized like um especially if i've got uni the next day to have our breakfast i have to get my breakfast ready and his um because i'm basically throw everything in a bag and take off. Mm-hmm. Um, my breakfast is pre-made the night before and so is his and his lunch and things like that. So that is just throw everything in bags and, you know, I go off and his bag's ready to, for him to pack sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. So being really, really organised, I think, and structured helps a lot to yeah. cram in. I cram in a lot in every day. <laughs> yeah. Every minute of my day is, is pretty yeah. much crammed. Yeah. Um, I had a rare opportunity today where... I had all these things that I wanted to tick off of my list and my son just, all he wanted to do was just relax. I'm like, what's wrong with you, child? We've got all these things that he said, you know, I just really want to relax. And I thought, okay, I need to respect that. Yep. And he's got a pile of books he's really got into reading lately. Yeah. And so I said, well, you need to have some, do some things outside. You know, you need to get some fresh air. Yeah, said, certainly today. It's yeah, such a lovely day. Amazing. You just don't want to. That's right. So I said, oh, how about I set up the hammock for you? Do you want to? Mm-hmm. Like, or actually, That's a great idea. How about I just point you in the direction of the hammock and you set it up yourself? He said, Yeah, all right. So he sets it up and he spent the afternoon laying in the hammock with his books in the sunshine, mm-hmm. having a wonderful, relaxing time while I'm cleaning out the chicken coop and doing all these other things around the yard. Um, and then I thought, you know what, I think I might just have a sit in that hammock. And that was probably the worst thing I could do. As soon as I sat in that, I was like, <laughs> Oh, this is really nice. Yeah. And I I was like, yeah, no wonder he spent the afternoon here. Um, So I eventually dragged myself out of it. But, yeah, it was very nice to just stop. (laughs) I have a secret desire for a hammock. I've not ever had a hammock in any of my yards. But I remember growing up we had um, a family that we were close friends with and it's like my mum and the mum of that family were friends from when they were little. So we used to have quite a bit to do with them. And they, they had three kids and they each had a hammock in the backyard. I used to love going to their house and going in their hammock. And I've not had one. I've well, not owned a hammock since. Between trees. And I just, I'm desperate to yeah, have a hammock. Don't get it in a stand. Don't get those Yeah, stand well, things. see, that's they're kind of. they're ugly and they're horrible. Yeah. Ours is set up. Um, it's got straps around two different trees. So. The actual hammock itself, you just unhook it and then you can put it okay. inside. Yeah, it's yeah, raining. yeah. But, but the, it, the yeah but structure the, the structure is too. kind of always there, but it's not invasive because it's it's attached to the tree. Yeah, and it stretches across the lawn, and it's always you know shady. So you just grab it and hook it on and lay in it, and it's beautiful. Yeah, well, see, I I'm not sure. I haven't really looked at assess the trees in the backyard for their hammock appropriateness, oh, but I'm I had sure looked at the kind of. The, the yeah the freestanding poly kind of ones and I thought oh maybe that's what I'll have someday just because um because that's what can happen but you reckon no mm-hmm. make the effort proper mm-hmm. proper between a tree and hammock it's just, to... it's just one of those um straps that you would normally tie down stuff on a trailer and things right. like that with yep. a, with a ratchet. with the ratchet thing yeah yeah, yeah. And that, that way you can adjust it yeah but yeah you, no so that's going to fit a lot of yeah yeah and so that that allows you some some leeway between the trees but it just it stays on the tree all year round yeah, and, it's and you not just took too it tight on that it's choking the tree because it goes around the tree a few times. Mm. So there's slack there. Yeah, it's kind of so it distributed. Damage, yeah, it yeah. doesn't damage the tree in any way. And then it's just a matter of oh, it's just a nice day. Let's hook that up. Yeah. And it's great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're living my hammock dream. Um, so, what do you think are the downsides of your way of doing things in your family? Hmm. 
I don't know if it's the way that I'm doing it or whether it's just the situation I'm in. And it's probably more that as mature as my son is, he's still only eight. Mm. So it's, and even though my mother is obviously a grown up, she's from a different era and different mm. age. So there's no one of my generation or my understanding in my household. So it yep. does get quite lonely at times. Yeah. Even though yeah. I'm quite enjoy my own company and mm-hmm. that's uncomfortable in my own space. Yeah, there's no one even within Kui of your age and stage. Mm. Yeah. And having to make every decision myself mm-hmm. um, because my mother would, well, she doesn't like any decision I make, every decision I make. Is- so it's fair to say your relationship is complex. Yeah. Yeah, difficult. Yeah. Difficult and complex. Yeah. Yeah. Which when you're living in the same house is... Gets challenging and testing. Gets challenging. That's exactly right. Definitely, definitely. Um, Yeah, I stopped trying to, um, I say please her, but um, trying to get her to be proud of who I've Mm -hmm. become and what I've achieved. Because it wouldn't matter what I've achieved; it won't be enough. And that's something I've tried to instill in my son as well: to not try to ever please me. Yep. To do things because it makes his heart sing. Mm-hmm. Not mine. Yep. And when he does really well at things, I've always instilled, even from a really young age, gee, you must be really proud of yourself for doing that. And yeah. Like, and so now when he achieves something, he's like, oh, I'm so proud of this drawing idea. It was so amazing. Yeah. He doesn't yep. have to bring it home to go, what do you think of that? Yes, you know, he just sure. Goes, wow, didn't I do great at that? Yeah, that's like, a great yeah. gift to him. To give it is. Him. It yeah. is. Even when he doesn't actually do that well. Like... <laughs> He's, he's not a great sports child. You know, some kids are yeah, yeah. naturally gifted in sport. Yeah. Not my son. Yeah, yeah. But, just, yeah. you know, he goes out and he gives it, and I say to him, just give it 100%. Just give it all you've got, you know, and that's all That's all anyone could ever ask of you. And he'll come off the court and he'll say, oh, jeez, I think I played really well. I'm like, <laughs> and you're like, yeah. Yeah, you was, did. You're was, like, you yeah. really tried hard, didn't you? <laughs> I had this I had this lovely moment recently and it was just kind of not more about resilience I guess. Um and so as we've been talking about before the interview with my eldest playing soccer. And so they have the thing where they take turns to be goalie. And so as you can imagine as my daughter's quite small, she's easily the smallest on the team and she can't run as fast as any of the others and she's probably a bit more scared of the ball than the others. Anyway, so she had to take her turn in being in goals and the team that they were playing that week had some quite good um, strikers. So they were they could they could get the ball into the net with a fair bit of force, maybe more than some other teams they played. Um, and of course she that they got a few a couple goals in past her. And she did also stop a couple. And some of the kids, you know, when they've had their turns in goals and they let a few through, they can get a bit upset. And I was kind of a bit, oh, how's she gonna go? She had, you, you know, there has been a few that have got past her and she's quite she doesn't take up a lot of the goals. So <laughs> it's not hard to get something something around her. She's quite a small one. When she came off and I was talking to her and she said, Oh, I let some goals through, but I stopped more than I let through. And I went, yes, you did. I wasn't counting, but yeah. So it's a great way of looking at it. It is. And again, that's another thing of setting them up for when they get older and when life gets more challenging is that they have that confidence in themselves and they're not looking to their peers or to their to other adults yes. for that, um, did I do well? Yeah, what do you think? Yeah. Do you think you did well? Did you give it everything? Um, 
And yes, yeah, I think that's, if you, a, that's an amazing gift to give any child. Yes, if you care too much about what your peers think of you, yeah. then you're going to go that extra step to impress them, mm-hmm. which is going to lead into making poor decisions. Exactly. Um, but as far as, yeah, what doesn't go well, I guess it, it, it's probably just because of the pure amount of pressure that's on me, um, probably my own health has suffered mm. a bit just mm. from just long-term stress. And yeah. Stress is one of those things that sort of creeps up on you. You know it's there, but yes. you do your best to sort of manage it. And, you know, like I said, I try to keep everything quite balanced and yeah. between study and time with my son and doing the gardening and doing everything else. But there's always, um, for me, there's always going to be an underlying stress that I, that I can't get rid of mm. because there's that feeling of, and I, I try not to think about it, and but it's kind of there in the background that there's that's no what, one there that's got your back. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like if, yeah. if, if you get sick, you know, there's either a family member or mm-hmm. a that's brother right. or a sister or a parent or a partner that can, you know, that's got your back, that can make you a chicken soup or can take the child to school or do whatever, you know. Yeah. But I don't have that. I don't mm. have brothers or sisters. I don't have family. My family are overseas. Yeah, that's um, right. My only family is my 90-year-old mother. And, yep. and I've just recently, you know, had some illness and it really terrified me. Because mm. I thought, Crikey's, who's got my back? Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. And, and it's a stress that I didn't realise was there. It was always there. Yeah. But I didn't realise it was there. I find that with stress is that sometimes you think, oh, yeah, like maybe something happens with your health or maybe something happens and you you realise you don't deal with it that well or maybe you just don't feel like you're, you're handling stuff well. And you kind of go, oh, well, yeah, maybe there is that, there, there is that thing. Maybe I'm a bit stressed about that. Maybe that's what's happening. And you totally underestimate the amount of stress and what impact it's having. Um, And what I've found is that maybe there's a source of stress and something happens, situation happens, something is different, and that kind of gets rid of that situation, takes care of it, Mm -hmm. and that stress goes away. And it's not sometimes until it goes away and then you go, gee, I was a lot more stressed about that than I Mm realised. And it's only in hindsight once it goes away and the, the feeling of, when you don't have, when you're not carrying that, yeah. that the, the stress that you think might have been a tiny little thing was actually a massive thing yeah. in your kind of in your head. Yeah. Um, no, I, I and, definitely think that's what happened. It's it's when the um, the illness went away that I I kind of re- thought, where did all that come from? And and people had said to me, oh, you're too stressed. It's like, well, how do I get rid of that stress? You know, mm. like I'm doing everything I can to not overload myself for study, not overload, not take too much else on. But I've still got to keep things moving along. Yeah. And I think yeah. for me, I, I need to feel like I'm living too. Like I, I was, I've been existing for a good part of this year and yeah. that was starting to depress me as well. And I, I need to live. I need to do things that make my heart sing as well. And study is one of those things. And when I was struggling to study because of my health, yeah. that would get me down too. Because yeah. I actually really love my study. I love mm-hmm. what I do. And... Um, yeah, so when you take that away from me because your health is not good or you take away from me the joys of going for a bike ride with my son or going for a hike with my son, you take that away, it's like, well, what have I got left? Yeah, you know? yeah. And that was quite terrifying. So, mm. Mm. Yeah. So with your family, what do you think are going to be the next steps? What What's the next evolution? What's going to happen next? Mm. Interesting. Um 
I don't know. Yeah, you probably. I mean, you've had so many changes in the last few years. So probably no change is is a good thing. Is a good thing. (laughs) You're quiet. Yeah, Mm. it's. I, yeah. I would like things to just keep to not change. No yeah. evolution for a while. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, I can I can go through life really really well when everything is going well. Mm. Um, when something goes wrong, the wheels fall off and they feel they fall off real badly. Yeah. So because you don't have that person that's got your back. Yeah, and I and I guess I'm living with a level of stress that I I can't reduce it any more than I have. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I'm realistic, and I know my son's getting older. He's um, got his more of his own ideas and more of his um, things that he wants to do. My mother's getting older, so I'm going to come to a time where um, she's going to pass away, and then I've got probably two years left of study to do. And I'll come to the end of that and then I'll need to make some decisions about what I'm going to do with that degree. So I know that change is inevitable and it's it's not that far away. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit scary, I guess, in some respects, exciting in another, but at the same time, I don't really know. Yeah. Life is a bit unpredictable. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's, I guess, one of those things that, you know, when you're thrown in this situation... Yeah, when um, you have had, like, some massive disruptions to the path of what you kind of thought you were yeah. doing, you feel less secure in Definitely. the things that are around you now and the, the setup you have now. Yeah, and I, I guess it's something that, you know, when you talk about the future, it's something that you sit down uh, as a couple and, and talk about the future and think, oh, you know, where do we want to go? But when you're on your own, all of a sudden... There's all these other restrictions that, mm. yeah, limit what I guess you can do. You're like, I, I would love nothing more than to have a property. But yep. you know, how would I realistically run a property mm. on my own with a child? And and trying to work and, yeah. How is that even possible? I don't know. I'll put it out there and see what happens. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. For now, I'm, I just would like things just to keep ticking on. To keep ticking on, yeah. But at the same time, I'm open to whatever opportunities you know, come my way and I'll look at those opportunities and see whether they're things that are mm. worthwhile pursuing or not. But just keep an open mind, I think. Yeah. And hope yep. the wheels don't fall off. <laughs> so if you were talking to someone who was about to enter a kind of similar phase to what you are with in regards to young children or young child and study and that kind of thing, is there any advice that you would give to them? Don't overload yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't try to get the best score like you know they say peas get degrees <laughs> um for me it's never been about getting high distinctions it's been more about i want to pass and i want to pass well um but i don't care whether it's the best score in the class it's yep. more like i just want to understand the material yeah pass well yeah um you want to yeah it's more gaining the knowledge yes, than the than yes. the the grade yeah, yeah i don't care so much about the grade i just want to know the material and yeah try to keep things balanced i, I see a lot of mothers who are trying to do way too much mm-hmm. and they blink and their children have grown up and they've missed a lot yep i understand some people have got pressures in that they need to get this yeah. done yeah. And need to there's work. so many different I, situations that people are existing within yeah um, but yeah. i also see what it's doing to their health and it's <laughs> i guess I, I in a way i did it to myself but i was doing it unknowingly and and i was trying to there were stresses that i couldn't i couldn't avoid so yeah 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 i think that's the main thing just to to try and keep things in balance and as much as you can without overloading yourself too much and don't miss those years with your kids because 
they disappear too way too too quick. Your degree will always be there. Like, yeah. Yeah, you can always yeah. pick up that subject next term or next year when your kids are older or when they're at school even. Um, yeah, spend the time when they're at school doing your thing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Excellent. Well, that's all my questions. Thank you very much. If you've enjoyed this episode can i ask a favor could you share it with a friend if you go to www.headofacodfish.com slash irene you can press one of the sharing buttons right underneath the podcast player or you can share one of the posts on my facebook page if you ever want to refer back to something in one of the episodes you can look at the show notes on my website Go to www.headofacodfish.com and go to the particular episode you're looking for and there you'll find a running sheet of all the things that we talk about in the interview. Also, if you want to be even more a part of this community I'm building, you can join the Facebook group. The group is called Codfish Squad and it's where working parents share their experiences, stories and information and help each other out. To join the group, go to www.headofacodfish.com slash codfishsquad. That will take you to the page on Facebook. You can click the join button and once it's approved, you can start chatting. If you are looking for podcasts to listen to, I've started posting a podcast recommendation every Friday on my Head of a Codfish Facebook page. If you want to see them, go to www.headofacodfish.com slash Facebook. And look out for the Podcast Friday posts each week. Well, that's enough from me. See you soon. Mm-hmm.